You guys asked for it. It's finally here. Carousel Project Inspired Merch. This collection has been on our hearts and minds for a while, and it was finally the time for us to bring it to life. Spinning Carousel Company is a pixie-dusted jewelry company inspired by theme park history and all of our most magical moments. Each piece is custom-designed to represent the unique moments in time of each of your favorite parks. Buy them now at spinningcarousel.com and use code CARUSELPROJECT for 10% off your first order. Thank you all so much for your support. You are so lucky living so close to Jazzland, America's newest major theme park in New Orleans. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Carousel Project podcast. This episode is long overdue, and I know all three of us are really ready to jump into this topic and to explore some more. But before we get started, my name is Josie Maida, and you can find me on all socials at Josie Maida. And I'm Kate Killebrew. You can find me on all socials at Kate Killebrew. And I'm Epcot Adam, and you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you absolutely can. As we jump into today's topic, I will say I do think this is one of the more somber topics we've ever had on the podcast. Um, But I know that it is a topic that's become close to all of our hearts, especially Kate, because this is a theme park that, you know, she she grew up with. But our first question is, have you ever been to a Six Flags theme park? Jojo, you take this one. Um, yes, I grew up with Six Flags Great Adventure, which is the location in um, New Jersey. It's about like two hours from where I grew up. Um, it was it's always been, I feel like, one of the really big Six Flags locations. Um, they have King Ka, which is one of the biggest roller coasters like in the world, like the tallest. It's insane. Um, it was where I went on my first roller coaster. It was where I spent a lot of time, you know, summer camp and summers and high school trips. Um, and so it really was, you know, I didn't grow up getting to go to Disney very often but this was like our local theme park um and probably the one I went to the most growing up um and so I haven't been in years but lots of memories at at Six Flags Great Adventure I think they have a Hurricane Harbor I think it's called they have a water park there we have one Uh, of those here too which is terrible naming as we get into the rest of this episode um but you know there, there's a lot of things with Six Flags. We'll get into it. But yes, I, I really liked Six Flags Great Adventure growing up. Um, had lots of great memories there. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I have been to Six Flags New Orleans, obviously. And um, I think I went to the one in Georgia as well when I was younger. But the only one I really remember is, is Six, Six Flags New Orleans. So, which is nuts. Oh, I've also, if we're talking about all this, I've also been to Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom, which we will talk about later Mm. in the episode. I think those are the only two Six Flags. I feel like I've been to another one, but I just can't. But I I think those might be the only two. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I grew up with Six Flags Magic Mountain about half an hour from me. And while I didn't go all the time, I've probably been, I mean, there were a couple of years, maybe like five or six years ago, where I had a pass and I went maybe four or five times each year. Mm. But, um, It's a really fun place. It's just very uh, the they don't take good care of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one time um, maybe five years ago where I went to Magic Mountain one night and then Disneyland the next day Mm -hmm. and just seeing the dichotomy of how clean Disneyland was compared to Mm -hmm. Magic Mountain and things like that and how like 
just dirty and like you know everything in the queues are falling apart and stuff it's just so crazy seeing the difference between the two if you could look past that six flags magic mountain is great i i believe they have the most roller coasters out of any theme park in the country i believe so it's a lot of fun if you can you know go there and and just kind of close your eyes to the negatives yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. um kate do you want to kind of introduce this topic um, yeah, I can. I did want to start a little before Jazzland and Six Flags, but um, well, we just we don't we haven't really even said what we're talking about yet. Okay, well, um, we are talking about Six Flags New Orleans, aka Jazzland. Um, this was for those who don't know, this was a theme park that has been sitting abandoned for almost eighteen years now. Um, since Hurricane Katrina hit, um, it was surprisingly only open for basically not even five years probably I guess I guess right around five years so um a very short-lived theme park that had a 75 year lease so did not get very far um but I still pass it to this day if I'm going from Slidell to New Orleans if you cross the twin span it's hard to miss this abandoned park so uh so yeah we are gonna cover the good the bad and the abandoned yeah, sure. this is really, again, this is one of the craziest topics we have yep. ever talked about. And again, it's it's very kind of like somber because of the impacts that it's had on the community. I know a lot of people think like, oh, a theme park is, is you know, just a theme park. But as we get into it, this is such like almost like it's a big reminder of so many good and bad things, I feel like, for the community. And it's just it's a really interesting topic, but it's, it's kind of more yeah. of a sad one as well. We've talked about defunct things before where Disney, you know, abandoned something on their own property but so many other things were going on around it you know what i mean it was just different like this is this is a very different topic um and again this one is close to kate's home and heart um but i think it's one of the most interesting ones we have ever covered on the podcast for sure and i will have a few other um abandoned katrina things if people want to look into them as well at the end because there are other things that were unfortunately casualties to Katrina that have sat for over a decade so crazy yeah well yeah let's start all the way back at the beginning with Jazzland I actually want to start all the way back at the beginning of 1928 which is the theme park that was that Jazzland was was based off of um my girl Kate never disappoints And this episode, let me just say at the start, my girl Kate never disappoints, first of all. But this episode, my girl Kate is going to come with with all anyone could possibly have. I mean, I will say I tried to find more. I really did. But really, I feel like the video we're going to talk about, the film we're going to talk about later, did a great job covering everything. And any other site is kind of just reiterating the information. So, um, mm-hmm. but I did think it would be nice to talk about Pontchartrain Beach. That was the yeah. original um, amusement park that the New Orleans area used to have. It was open yeah. from June 30th, 1928 to September 5th, 1983. So I never got to experience wow. it. That's a long um, lifespan though. Yes. Um, and the the main reason I thought to mention this and talk about this a little bit is because um, there was a section in Jazzland and um, eventually Six Flags New Orleans that was titled Pontchartrain Beach. And that mm-hmm. area was based yep. off of this amusement park. Um, mm-hmm. So this was... a located on the south shore of Lake Pontchartrain. Um, For those who don't know, Lake Pontchartrain is 
you know, what can the, the big lake in the middle between the North Shore and the South Shore, um, when you hear the North Shore and South Shore of um, New Orleans, like that's what, what we're talking about. Um, so it was founded by Harry J. Batt Sr. Um, he is actually the grandfather of Brian Batt, which I, he's apparently an actor from New Orleans. I looked him up. It looks like he was in, potentially in Mad Men. I don't know. But anyways, oh. so that, that was who was mentioned when they mentioned this guy. Um, its original location um, is now a neighborhood called Lake Terrace. But in the 1930s, so like only about 10 years into this park existing, it actually had to be moved due to um, they built up the levee a little bit more along the lake. So they had oh, to wow. move it um, down to Elysian Fields Avenue. Some of the attractions it had, which will come up again in Jazzland, one of the main ones was a wooden coaster, the Zephyr. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see a different version of this for Jazzland and, and Six Flags. Um, yeah. Actually, when they built Jazzland, the original idea was to recreate the Zephyr. But since um, the original wooden coaster was so small, they ended up making a much bigger coaster since they had more space. So that's why it's called mm-hmm. the Mega Zeph instead of Zephyr. Um, fun fact, Elvis Presley actually performed at Pontchartrain Beach. Um, that's very cool. Whenever wow. he was young. Um, I'm pretty sure my gr- my grandpa said he got to see him perform at Pontchartrain Beach. So that's um, so cool. Damn. Yeah. So they had a lot of um, like national talent come through and perform, but like one that was named was Elvis Presley. Um, and they, uh, you know, like we said, it was open for such a long time till 83. They mm-hmm. eventually added like mini golf. They added, you know, they tried to keep up with the times, but it eventually would yeah. end up closing just due to low attendance. Um from a defunct standpoint, uh, a lot of the rides ended up going different places. Some of them ended up in Gulf Shores, Alabama. But those, ironically, would end up getting wiped out by Hurricane Ivan in 2004. So those were no more. And then um, there was another ride, Ragin' Cajun. Um, it would end up moving to Six Flags Great Escape in 1984 and opening as the Steam and Demon. Um, and then some of the hand-painted carousel horses from Train Beach were donated to New Orleans City Park. So they're still there today. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's so interesting because that shows, like this was an area that I, I think this is a great place to start not only because it's cool and important but like it shows that new orleans was an area that supported a theme park yeah an amusement park like because they had one when did you say it opened 1928 um, 20, yeah so 1928 till the 80s like that is that is a, a very successful run the crazy thing is there was actually like a beach area well i say the crazy thing is because of how Lake Pontchartrain is treated today, but that mm-hmm. for for a long time there was a beach so people could go swim in Lake Pontchartrain. It was deemed that the water is like not safe. I don't know how many oh, decades God. ago, but like my grandparents and my mom and everything used to talk about people going to swim in the water, going to Pontchartrain Beach, all that kind of stuff. So um, wh- I remember when we went to Six Flags uh, with my parents my mom thought it was cool that there was an area named haunted train beach after i think it is really cool and it shows that (laughs) they did try to make some touches that really were like as we now start talking about jazz land yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. they really wanted to make this a new orleans park which was really 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 cool um so as we said pontchartrain beach closed in the 80s um and then in the 90s is when tom and diane winninger 
they were really well-known mm-hmm. developers in the New Orleans area. They kind of started wanting a theme park. So there really wasn't a huge gap in like when that park closed and like no. conversations started happening about opening another theme park in the New right. Orleans area. Yeah. Yeah, because really, and like they talk about in the like film, New Orleans is kind of like a one-trick pony with like Mardi Gras. Like that's it. They were trying to look for like something else that they could offer people when they come to town, you know, some more to do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that really was going to fit the need for that. Um, and I'd sa- I know that they said the land was actually owned by um, Diane's family. Like it was land mm-hmm. that had been in her family for like a long time. So yeah. that helps for sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And again, they they kind of also talked about how, so they had like this perfect piece of land. They wanted a theme park. There was no longer a theme park and how there wouldn't really be another theme park for like 350 miles Mm -hmm. in all directions. So like if people wanted to go to a theme park for the day, this was a great location. There's other things to do in New Orleans. There are hotels there. It's not Mm -hmm. like this is in the middle of, you know, nowhere. Um, And so... There was reason for people to go to this city in the first place. This was adding something else for them to do. This was something that a large community like New Orleans could support. They had the land. It would be 350 miles in all surrounding areas to the next theme park. So really, there was like, this was just like check, check, check. Like it was Mm -hmm. just everything seemed to line up. The governor was on board. He offered $10 million towards the project. Again, Tom and Diane were well-known developers. They had money. They had connections. So everything for Jazzland was really like lining up perfectly. Yeah, good to go. Um, Really was like just set like just the perfect scenario and i'm sure like those on the outside are probably like oh this is on a swamp it's in new orleans like and i mean even me without having watched um you know closed for storm knowing where new orleans east is which is where this is located um you know that is more flood prone area but they took mm-hmm. in they took into consideration all that in the film they talk about that how they had a pump on site they bit you know they made sure they had the walls built up they had um you know it built up on this you know um, foundation foundation that was like very strong um so you know for me as somebody growing up right over there I know a lot of people that that area obviously flooded um but realizing like oh wow they did take those things into consideration and it was just a freak situation with Katrina like a truly freak situation so anyway and as we talk about like oh everything was lining up for Jazzland of course they had to have the land tested and like it it passed like Mm -hmm. there were no issues they said that in 1998 when the construction began there were a couple of issues with the quality of the ground being very soft but it Mm. was like not a big issue like it didn't stall anything they put the foundation like i mean walt probably had those same problems with magic magic kingdom exactly yeah Yeah. so like really like this was doable like everything was was really like falling into place um and so, yeah, it was originally they were working with a brand called Ogden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time they kind of like opened in 2000, um, Jazzland was owned by a parent company called Alpha Smart Parks. Um, and so, yeah, do you want, let's let's talk about the. Are you ready to talk about the opening? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about the opening if you want. Yeah. Go for it. Um, it opened on May 20th, 2000. I love that date because that is my wedding anniversary. Not 2000, but May 20th. Um, 
And also, it op- I feel like we're recording this. It's May 26th. I was thinking 2023. the same. I was thinking the so, like, same. I was like, opening week. Yeah, because yeah, we did yeah. not plan it that way, but it's no. like kind of eerie. Here we are. Kind of eerie. Yeah. Eerie. Kind of eerie. And it had. Um, it had the tagline, get your fill of thrills at Jazzland, which I think is so fun. Um, this was a 220-acre park. So, like, this was not a small park, really. It, no, it had a lot of land, um, and it had several themed areas, uh, Mardi Gras, Cajun Country, Jazz Plaza, Kids Carnival, Train Beach, and the Good Time Gardens. Um, and I'm mentioning these because some of them will change when they change names yeah. down the line. Um you can go. You can go. Oh, I was just going to say, it took over $130 million to build mm-hmm. this park. So it wasn't like they cheaped out. Like they, I mean, $130 million is a lot of money, especially back in 2000. Like yeah. they really went in to build this park. It was really, as Kate read off all the different sections, they wanted it to be based on lo- local cultures and vibes. And people in the documentary talk about walking in and it was kind of like a main street that was French Quarter themed and that yeah. it was really like beautiful and nice and like it really was like a great just really really nice park um and i feel like it was pushed a lot at the start too the pr the marketing everything it definitely was i mean um as i'm sure we're gonna talk about it in their first their first season because that's another thing about this park it didn't run like on during the summer it ran every day but like during Mm -hmm. the school year it was just open weekends so i think that's important to remember too but in the first Mm -hmm. season um, and i feel like most six flags like the six flag in new jersey especially mm -hmm. like is not open at all in the winter you know what i mean like so I feel like I feel like we kind of forget about seasons being Disney, Disney people so much yeah. because Disney's open all year round. But with most theme parks, they are open on like a seasonal basis. So Which yeah, we will be talking about this a lot in terms of seasons of the park being open. So um, within the first season, you know, they attracted 1.1 million visitors um, and during that season, um, a season pass was $89 per person or $219.96 for a family of four. Um, but unfortunately, like the next year, that attendance would drop um, almost by 50%. It, the numbers I found said 560 to 580,000 um, wow. versus that original 1.1 Yeah, mil. that's a big drop so off in, big in just drop one off. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's crazy because I remember Jazzland opening, but I don't think I actually went until probably 2001 or maybe 2002, like right before they made the change. But, um, you know, people were always talking about Jazzland. I remember church groups talking about going to Jazzland, you know, friends talking about going to Jazzland. Um, it was like the cool place to go. But, you know, I, I guess it sounds like people once people went maybe they didn't feel like they needed to go back i know a few things i read talked about how people really wanted like a water park because it's so hot and and at the time they didn't have the shade or anything that you would need for waiting in lines in the louisiana sun um that's not fun so i think those 
probably people went, had a great time, but they're like, it was a hot day. Um, you know, it was And it also was it's hard lot. when something is close to yeah. you. It's hard. Like sometimes I'll you're go like, back. oh, we got to yeah. make it out there. But you never do, yeah. you know. Um, but like like Kate said, in the first season, it did really well. Like the PR mm-hmm. and marketing was huge. The community was really excited and really like anticipating the opening of this park. There was commercials. There was print. It was publicized as America's newest major theme park, which of course really drew people in in an area where they didn't have anything like that again in a 350 mile radius like if you heard hey a couple hour drive that's the newest major theme park you might want to go but yeah maybe you're not making like okay we did that once we're not going to drive out there again right away yeah or Um, maybe not the next year they might go a year later after that or something yeah, yeah yeah exactly um and so yeah as kate mentioned they really dropped visitors for the next season. Um, and that's kind of what led them to applying for bankruptcy. But a lot of people said that they didn't even know that the park was struggling. Like things were kept up well and people really, really, really enjoyed the park. So a lot yeah. of people didn't know that the company um, was struggling and that the park wasn't bringing in a lot of money. I, right. I will say I found an article today from um, one of the local news stations where they shared a bunch of photos of Jazzland through the years. And a lot of the photos they shared for like the two years it was open, especially like after the first season, um, the captions in the photos are like a sparsely, you know, filled jazz land, you know, crowd enjoys the park. So like there weren't a lot of, apparently there weren't a lot of people in the park, I think. And so although it was kept up nice, it sounds like they really weren't seeing, you know, kind of like what the numbers show. They weren't seeing the numbers that they were before. Um, right. plus the, um, you know, their brand that owned them, the alpha, smart park company they also went bankrupt in february of 2002 so that didn't help either um i know they said in the video you know the film he was talking about how apparently this park was one of the biggest parks on that company's roster so they were really expecting big numbers out of this new park you know and that first year, of course, it had big numbers, but you are going to expect like a sophomore slump after mm-hmm. everybody goes one time, unless you're adding a yeah. new ride or something right. crazy. Oh, we're adding a water park. People don't really have a reason to rush back over, especially if they're in like Baton Rouge two hours away or, you know, it's, yeah. it's not easy to get over and there. And they said they owned a lot of like, even though they're called Alpha Smart Park, so you might mm-hmm. think they own a bunch of yes. theme parks. Not only was this the biggest, but it was like really kind of like the, like the, when they were listing off the other stuff they owned like it was not yeah they said it, like it was just not parks at this and, like le- small parks just yeah like, small, like, like super regional small regional yeah. day like tiny little things so they were just not set up well from the start um with alpha smart parks like this was a great idea they put in a lot of money but basically after the second season this park was being abandoned so. by its owner um this brand new theme park that had just $130 million had just been put in yeah, years and years and years of research. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, was about to be abandoned by its owner and very, very swiftly daddy six flags stepped in and it seems like people, people were super thrilled about it. I think, I think most of all the city of new Orleans was thrilled because they were left with this bill. Um, when, you know, Alpha Smart Park couldn't pay anymore. When they went bankrupt, it was left to the city of New Orleans. And 
I think they were just kind of like, what the heck? We agreed to this, but we didn't say, we, you know, we weren't supposed to yeah. be putting the bill. So, yeah, Six Flags jumps in um, March of 2002. They purchased the lease for $22 million. Um, it was supposed to be a 75-year lease that started in August of 2002. Um, interestingly enough, the park would operate for its final day in August of 2005, so three years later. Wow. Um, and then um, on November 14th, 2002, Six Flags announced the name change from Jazzland to Six Flags New Orleans. Um, Which I always think is such a bummer because, like, for us, it was always Six Flags Great Adventure. And, like, I know, yeah. Adam, they had Six Flags Magic, Magic Mountain. Mountain. So I'm like, I-, I know that across the country it's different, but oh, even, yeah. like, Kentucky was Kentucky Kingdom. I know the yeah. one that we'll talk about from jo- from Georgia had a completely different name. Over but Georgia, like, they- yeah. Isn't I think there's yes, an over there's Texas, like a six, too. Yeah, there's an yeah, over Texas. Yeah, and then there's like, there was, like, there's an also Astro. There's Fiesta Texas as well that yeah, gets mentioned in here. Them. So yeah. I was like, they could have very easily called it Six Flags Jazzland. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe yeah, there was something well, with the name. But they, I was like, that would have been so fun. I think they just think, I think they think, like, the buzzword would have been New Orleans. Like, I think they knew it would mm-hmm. draw more people with the name New Orleans than Jazzland. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe people yeah. out of town wouldn't necessarily, especially when I think about, like, like um there's that bat there's the basketball team that's the jazz or something like that mm-hmm. always confuses me because like when i think of jazz i think of like new orleans you know what i mean right so i yeah. think it's that kind of thing like i think new orleans was just much more of like a bam you know and yeah the areas you know mardi gras cajun mm-hmm. country like that all goes with i mean the i love the name of jazzland i'm not saying yeah. i didn't but i right. like from a marketing standpoint for six flags it's probably easier to be like we have one in new orleans you know yeah the slogan was it's playtime. I don't know if that was the slogan at all of the Six Flags parks <laughs> or just New Orleans. I don't know. All I remember is being a kid and lazy. watching TV and all of a sudden we started having like the Mr. Yes, we started having the Mr. Six commercials that I remember only hearing that song at like skating rinks. I that's all and then I it's on the TV. And then Dude, the I remember TV. those commercials. Yeah. Like I remember when they played them in the documentary, I was like, yeah. girl, this has brought me back because I really yep. feel like it was like every park had the same oh, commercial. Yeah. They just it like was. dropped just, in like different yeah. shots. Oh, yeah. So, it was like it even the made same it exact the, commercial. the office too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Andy sings it. Well, <laughs> even whenever um, one of the commercials on the on the film was one about Six Flags New Orleans and the two shots they had of coasters, like they weren't the same coast. Like the Batman coaster was the same, but the Jester one was not because the Jester coaster in the commercial was like the Jester and it was like red and the coaster is like very iconically green. So I was like, <laughs> they, they just threw clips in, you know, just switched out the words, more power yep. to them. But um, so, yeah, Six Flags. Came in and yeah, oh oh, yeah, Six Flags came in and they said, "We're gonna, we're gonna take this dang park. Like it is a brand new hundred and thirty million dollar park. Yeah, we're gonna pay the city twenty two million. We're gonna pay twenty million dollars to upgrade the park, Mm -hmm. refresh it, put some of our IP in there, put some. um, I think they put some like overhangs for shade. They they added like um they added some areas with their IP, which is like DC Comics and Looney Tunes. Yes, Um, that was probably the biggest change I remember. Yeah, and so they were like, hell yeah, for forty 
$42 million, we just got a brand new money-making theme park that's already all. built. It, 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 yeah, exactly. It's brand new. Like the stuff they were, the money they were spending was just to add their own IP and mm-hmm. some little touch-ups. Like it was really like for Six Flags, this was a major win to add this to their portfolio. And as we right. talked about, the PR and marketing was even bigger than before. Like now it's under the Six Flags umbrella. They're pushing 14 new attractions, two of which were major roller coasters. Like Yeah, and you the hope would be, you know, someone's gone to Six Flags over Georgia or Six Flags, you know, Astroworld or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And they're like, oh, well, New Orleans just got one. I want to go check it out. Oh, I wonder if they have some of the same rides or I wonder if they have different rides, you know. So it was yeah. very smart. I, I remember when it happened, I was like, okay, that tracks, you know. It, it's At least it's, in my mind, I was like, at least it's staying open. You know what I mean? Like at least because mm-hmm. I went to Disney once a year growing up. So I was fortunate to do that. But it was still nice to know like – we could drive across a twin span. It was like a 30 minute or less drive. Right we there. could go over there. Now getting my parents to go over there was tough. My dad was a big snob about theme parks. Like he didn't even like going to universal. Like he was a Disney mm-hmm. person. Like he was like the quality is here versus, but we went a few times. We and are, the quality is different at different theme parks. Even yeah. like, I would say it's like yeah. Disney is at the very, very top. I feel like yeah. universal sometimes meets it or is like, right below then you have like a cedar point king's island which is like a little six flags is kind of down the totem pole it's not like when i was growing up we had something called like land of make-believe and then of course we had action park slash mountain creek so those were like the crummy of the crumb but six flags is like kind of like they're doing what they're doing on the cheap they're here for a fun time not a long time and it was fine i think for my parents it was just more like we'd be like let's go to six flags and they'd be like okay yeah we'll talk about it and then we just like wouldn't go (laughs) but eventually we ended up going classic colleen we'll talk about it. i was gonna say colleen's classic we will talk about it i need to start using that more in my day-to-day life we'll talk about it we ended up going in to with as a family and getting season passes in 2005 i remember it because the park would close forever. And I remember being like, our season passes. Like, this is the one time we got them. And it's Kate was like, I worked all these this time. (laughs) We finally talked about it. And now, donezo. So, yeah. yeah. This, that's really, like, they opened some new areas. Kate, I don't know if you want to talk about the changes within the park a little bit more specifically. Um, so some of the bigger ones are, um, like we kind of talked about, there were two new coasters they brought in. They brought in Batman the Ride, um, which was a coaster that was, um, moved over from Japan, um, in a park that is now defunct called Thrill Valley. They also brought the Jester. That was the green coaster I was talking about. It's still there now, by the way, that one's still there. Um, it was relocated from, um, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Fiesta, Texas will come up again in this story. Um, that's why I'm mentioning it. But um, anyway, so the themed areas, instead of Jazz Plaza, we had Main Street Square, which I thought was fun because, like we were talking about, it's a Main Street area. Um, mm-hmm. So they weren't even trying to hide that. Um, we still had Cajun Country. We still had Pontchartrain Beach. We still had Mardi Gras. Um, but then we got a DC Comics Superhero Adventures area. And let me tell you, there's some video footage on the the film where they show that area and it really did look very nice like they put in you know they put in a great big entrance area um oh i I know it looks exactly like what we had in new jersey so it really like i was like this brought me back because they basically were like 
copy paste copy yes, paste because with, it works like what it they just threw like it up where it was going to be and mm-hmm. um then they turned the kids carnival area into looney tunes adventures um and then they still had the good times gardens i i didn't look into it too much but i'm pretty sure the good times gardens area was the area where they used to have like live entertainment so they'd have mm-hmm. like concerts happen um i have yeah. family friends who actually met at a concert at six flags they were like married now they've been married for like eight years anyway they met as kids like young kids at six flags at like one of these concerts anyways um that's a meet cute from a rom-com if i've ever heard yes it was a real you know what that was another thing i wanted to talk about was how like this was so huge within the community and they that's literally was the next note they did a ton of community events to bring Mm -hmm. people in and the park created a ton of jobs especially for like teenagers and young people so people really liked it and it made an impact on a lot of people in the community and just to show a difference in the price um the season the season pass in the year 2003 when they reopened at Six Flags New Orleans, it was $34.99 per person for the season. That's like more than cut in half from what the (laughs) original season pass was for Jazzland. So that probably came with the territory of, you know, Six Flags New Orleans just knowing the better pricing point and knowing, you know, they could probably get people in the door to buy that season pass for that and then they may never come back again, but they bought the season pass thinking they're going to come back. And their profit margins are so much different than a, a smaller company yes you know mm-hmm. they they can afford to make it a little cheaper to you know get more people to buy it than a, a much smaller company who originally um owned it yeah so i thought i thought that was interesting that it was so much cheaper mm, very very interesting and it's six flags i feel like has through time done a lot of like things like that which we'll talk about there's another thing six flags related this is kind of just, I mean, we could talk about it now. It's like that food thing they do mm. where people oh, were going. Yeah. Do you know you what I'm talking about? No. They had like a thing where it was like basically like a season pass for food. Oh. And you could yeah. you could buy on addition to your season it pass. Would be wasted you on could me. buy this food pass right. where you could get as much food <laughs> as you same. wanted. So I think there was a person, I really feel like this story was from the Six Flags location in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. like people who lived in the area, it was like I want to say less than like a hundred bucks for the season. And they just so they would buy get it this and just dining eat whatever pass. they want. Yes, they would get All a season, season pass to they would get a season pass to Six Flags and then they would buy their food pass and they were going in getting food and just every eating. every meal wow. every day. Yeah, like every meal like, every day. Was it like five or ten years ago that came out that one person like literally like Dang. ate for an entire yeah, year. I don't remember just when it was, but that story always sticks out to me that like yeah, yeah they were like getting the food to go smart. and yeah. were like bringing in little Dang. containers and, and going over here, like, like what's every for single day. I could have just been right. going to the market. Yeah, no, they were just going to Six Flags. I'm pretty sure it still exists. I'm pretty sure that Knox still has something like that as well. Yeah. Because um, when Kelsey and I got our passes a few months ago, I'm pretty sure there was an option for like 125 bucks or for something food. to eat for the entire season wow. or something like that. I'm just like, this I is crazy. Go to like, Farm so bad. Me we too. need to go. We need to I go. I want to go to California. So but I want to go for the boys, the boys and Berry Festival. Yeah, and it just ended. I want to do a bunch of stuff over in California. I want to go to the <laughs> Super Mario Land, yes, Nintendo please. Land. I want to go to Knott's Berry and be scared on coasters I've never been on. And then I want to go to Disneyland always. So 
Disneyland always. But yes, so people, that was another thing. Like, I just feel like Six Flags always has these, like, schemey kind of, like, stories where you're like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, of course at Six Flags. But the, yeah. I don't know, for some reason, Kate talking about the cost of the passes, I was like, while we're on that, let's talk about the fact that, like, I, I'll, I'll try to find, like, a story or which, which it was. But it was, yeah, right. people would literally go and, like, bring little containers and, like, yeah get their food which more power yep. to them well and on the on the topic of uh, the season pass or annual pass prices i yeah. remember when i had mine sometime in the last decade i also had you know my disney premiere pass yeah and i was for the premiere pass i was paying like 150 bucks a month yeah and then you know the i think the six five one was like 749 a month or something Jeez. i'm just like this is insane like <laughs> yeah I'm it's n- it's literally very affordable. a whole year six flags for less than a month of my yeah disney pass. that's like crazy. it's crazy and when I had it, we would go for like an hour because there was yeah. just, it was just like, yeah. let's just go for an hour, like right before close, go on a few rides and leave yeah. because yeah. We don't, we're spending so little money to be there. Yeah. In New Jersey, I don't know if I ever had a season pass because I feel like the tickets after like King Daka opened and they got like that whole refresh, like I feel like it did get kind of expensive. Mm. I remember for a day it was like $75 or like something wow. like that. Like I remember there were times where it was expensive. I don't know what it costs now. But I remember there were, and I don't know if it's that my family was like poor at the time and maybe it's not as expensive as like, like I was a kid, you know what I mean? So maybe I thought it was expensive, but I, for some reason am remembering like in around $70 price range, which would have been a lot compared to like other Six Flags. And I don't know if that's because like Six Flags Great Adventure was around for such a long time or because like it had like bigger rides, like that really was like one of the biggest theme parks in our area because other Otherwise, you had to go into Pennsylvania for yeah. Sesame Place or Dorney Park or Hershey Park. That was all in Pennsylvania. Right. So they, I want to go to Hershey Park, too. I'm looking at the pricing right now for Six Flags Great Adventure, and a uh, single daily ticket starts at $39.99. Dang. And a, a, goal, a 2023 gold pass, um, which is unlimited visits to Six Flags Great Adventure, is $7.99 a month. Wow. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we were just like, I don't know. I feel like I remember it being like super, ex- maybe there was like a point like right after King Daka opened because I feel like they used to have such a good reputation in New Jersey. Like it was like mm-hmm. the things, or maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe like I'm just like looking back at I was, it and being like, oh, it must have been so expensive. You I was I mean? honestly shocked when my parents bought the season passes and I even asked my mom like oh we're getting season passes and I think she said something like she showed me the sign and was like yeah it makes more sense for us to pay for all five of us to come in to just do season passes right. than like us go in once decide we want to go again and then we've got to pay you know again pay again yeah. yep. so you know I was thrilled which is I remember I was a I actually was a Dollywood season pass holder one oh, season oh, because so my dumb. family wow. went we, we only time. went once but it I made more so sense because we were going for like the week to Tennessee. I want to go back so bad. We were going for like the week to Tennessee and like I think we had planned to go for like two days but like the season pass didn't cost that much more. My mom was like that way we just have it if we decide to go like an extra. I don't know. We're so far off topic right now but (laughs) Six Flags. We're still talking about regional theme parks. I mean I will say I made that mistake at Dollywood. We bought not not mistake, but like we bought two day passes and because we're like, oh, you know, in case we want to come back, no one went back. So like for me as a theme park person, I was like, we wasted a day. Like I would have Oh yeah, we did too. Dolly gone. Park got our, got our coin. 
Um, they definitely, we did not go Because once everybody rode the rides, they were like, eh. And I was like, I could come again. Like, I could go mm-hmm. back tomorrow and go. We're here yep. a week. But um, I enjoyed Dollywood. I'd go back. The, mm-hmm. the Six Flags here in Magic Mountain always had these crazy deals like, Buy one ticket, get one free if you bring a can of can Coke. Of Coke. Oh, yes, yes, that Coke is Six Flags thing. Yeah. That is and Six Flags thing. For the annual passes, they would always give you this little like coupon book. It it have like five different like bring a friend free yes. days. It would have like free you know combo meal. Buy one get one free on the carnival games. Like they just wanted you in the door, mm-hmm. and they would give you all the incentives to do to do so. I don't know when it opened. It may have opened maybe after Six Flags or around the same time as Six Flags. But in Baton Rouge, we have a water park slash amusement park. Like, it's mainly a water park, but they have some rides. And it's called Blue Bayou. And I remember <laughs> Nick and I, when we before we went, we're like, we've got to get a Coke can. Like, we want to save you know, the, the five bucks or whatever. Yep. There would so, be times where we would go and we'd be driving and we'd stop at, like, a gas station, get a can of Coke. And drink it on the way, and yeah. just in order to get in, you know, one mm-hmm. free ticket or yeah. something. So we paid, you know, a dollar twenty nine or whatever a can of Coke cost, and got in for free. Yeah, that's awesome. And that is some partnership with Coca Cola. Yeah, <laughs> we love to see it. Um, you know, the thing about six, the thing about Six Flags New Orleans, though, is you know it opened as Six Flags New Orleans in April of two thousand three, and. I'm sure we're winding down to 2005 soon, but I mean, it was only like two years that this actually operated with like this new owner, this new, you know, they did all these changes. I remember when they, I remember going before they added the sign, they were starting to kind of change everything, but they hadn't put Mm -hmm. the new sign up yet. Um, And actually, they had plans for 2005 going into 2006 to finally add a water park that a much needed, much wanted water park. They even had the pad of land ready, like all of that. And that was something that from the beginning, like Jazzland had had that ready. Yeah. And then obviously they fell out. So like, again, it was Six Flags, like had it pretty easy. Like, okay, here's this piece of land that's ready for a water park. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Um, I will say before we get into Katrina, um, one of the rides that a lot of people talk about, uh, they kind of showed it at the end of the film, um, Jocko's Mardi Gras Madness. This was like a true dark ride that they had there that was original to that park. Um, I only did it one time because it scared me. But um, <laughs> it was they had this big jester on the top, Jocko, and Basically, he has, like, friends who were, like, skeletons and ghosts and stuff, and they were stirring up trouble in New Orleans. And you have these little laser um, guns that you're trying to, like, shoot at, I guess, the... It's the, like Dr. Facilier meets, meets, yeah, like, meets Carnival like meets, like... Jester. The Jester had, like, red meets eyes. Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. And he's like... Ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. So um, we, we did it one time, but it was kind of cool. Like, think Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin type vibe, but without the spin. Um, anyway, seeing the foot, that was one of the things I was most excited for for Close for Storm is he teased that they were going into the Jocko's building. Mm-hmm. Um I wish they showed more. And seeing the whole thing was gutted, that blew my mind. That all they had left was a car. They had the they had the custom vehicle. Um the guns were ripped off of it, but the vehicle was still there. Um but the whole inside, you could just see the metal infrastructure of the frame. There was like what happened to all of the it was a um 
so the ride was like a blacklight type ride. So it was like, mm-hmm. think of, you know, a true Disneyland dark ride of just like painted imagery on all the walls. You're kind of zipping through stuff. All that's gone. It was crazy yeah. that it was just the empty room. I would have thought right. maybe it would have been graffitied over, you know. That's but one the of set the, pieces would still be there. Yeah, you, I would think the set pieces would have still been there. Maybe maybe moldy, you know, eight feet up or something. But it, it was just, and maybe it got ripped out for that reason. Maybe with all the productions that have been done there since that we'll talk about later. Maybe people just ended up saying, you know, we need to go into the space. We don't want people to have to worry about mold, yada, yada. But it was it was shocking. I was shocked to see that. Well, I think as we've teased it quite a bit, we yeah. should get into the actual closure of the park. So yeah. the park closed. Kate, what, did the park close? It closed on like a Friday, right? So the park at this point in time was only operating on Saturdays and Sundays. So its last day of operation was a Sunday, August 21st. It would have normally Mm -hmm. reopened on the 27th and 28th, that Saturday and Sunday the next week. But everybody was buckling down for Hurricane Katrina that was going to be hitting on Monday, the 29th. Um, I remember myself in seventh grade on Friday um, in my seventh hour, them saying you know, uh, let's go ahead and unplug the computers just in case like the power goes out from the hurricane or whatever. You know, not realizing we wouldn't be going back to school for two and a half, three months. We would not be going back to school. Um, So I feel like the people who were working at Six Flags New Orleans probably felt the same way. You know, they probably had the administrative staff who was there like every day running things, whatever. But, um, you know, the staff that worked the seasonal shifts of people being at the park, they were probably like, okay, we're taking this weekend off for the hurricane. There'll probably be some And that's what they said. Literally, the guy said he remembered, because in the documentary, they have a few people who worked there who, Mm -hmm. like, all really loved their jobs. Yeah. And he said, like, he remembers leaving and being like, bye, everyone. See you next week. Mm -hmm. Like, unless the hurricane, like, and Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, from what I remember of Hurricane Katrina and from what I heard in the documentary, like, it was supposed to hit New Orleans or that area, oh, yeah. but not, like, directly. So, it was supposed to hit it as in, like, oh, yeah. there will be really bad storms, but, like, it wasn't supposed to be, like, yeah. there. Let me break it down. So Quickly break it down. So, basically, my entire family, we were like, okay, it's not going to be hitting us. We're not evacuating. Then Sunday morning, the day before the hurricane was supposed to hit Monday, we found out it was a Category 5. It's definitely coming for New Orleans. Um And, you know, we got to get the hell out of here. So I remember Sunday morning, my mom running in our room and saying, pack everything up. We've got to go. We've got to evacuate. The storm is supposed to hit like it was it wasn't supposed to hit like midday Monday. It was supposed to hit like 2 a.m. in the morning Monday. So like we had to we had to get on. the And this gives me like chills to think about. I always think about this because like I must have been if you were in seventh grade, I was in like sixth grade. Yeah. And like this is such a huge memory to me, like the aftermath of this, like watching it on TV doing Mm -hmm. fundraising for, you know, Hurricane Katrina victims. And you think about it, and especially I feel like as a kid, you're like, why didn't everybody just leave? And it's like, not only did people not know that it was going to be that bad, but imagine trying to to imagine trying to get out first of all Mm -hmm. with all those people trying to evacuate i know in new jersey when we had a hurricane like there was nowhere to get gas like you could not get out of the state like there was that and then it's also like 
like Kate said, like there are a lot of people who did not like being able to have the privilege to leave is a yeah. privilege. Like not everybody has somewhere else to go or even the financial means of getting themselves out of their state, um, which is so, so heartbreaking. Well, even for me, who I was in a situation where my dad traveled, he traveled for a living. We could get free holiday rooms somewhere, yada, yada. We still had a, a lot of trouble getting out of town because ev- we were in contraflow at that point. Um, mm-hmm. I remember where we were. We were stuck between two b- drawbridges. We had just gone mm-hmm. over one drawbridge, and then the other drawbridge wasn't going down all the way. So everyone's just stuck. We were stuck for hours. And so people were trying to turn around and go back over the other drawbridge, and a car ended up catching on fire. So then we couldn't go across. Oh, so we're just trapped between two drawbridges. The time is ticking. We got to get out of town. I remember when we were traveling to towards um, towards Georgia because we ended up going to Georgia. Um, I remember there were storms already kind of coming in, bad weather coming yeah. in. Um, Paris, oh, yeah. Of course, that's you. another thing because, like, it's not like it's going to be, like, sunshiny skies. And no. then, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're going to start seeing some storming. And, you know, Paris, she lived in New Orleans East, not far from Six Flags at all, about five minutes away from Six Flags. And um, her dad... She talks about them driving across the twin spans late Sunday night and the winds that were happening going across that bridge over water over Lake Pontchartrain was so, so, so scary. And, you know, for him, he's a single dad. He probably had work, tried to get everything together, try to get Paris Mm -hmm. in the car, pack some stuff up and go, you know. And there was, like you said, in New Orleans and even... Even Mississippi. I mean, people don't think about Mississippi when they think about Katrina, but... um, Southern Mississippi, they t- they took a big hit in all of this yeah. as well, and it it doesn't ever really get any um, exposure. I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, obviously, I New think Orleans because had a, New Orleans had a was lot. so was just so the imagery was so yeah heartbreaking that literally all these years later, it's someone as someone who had no connection, like I had yeah. never like heartbreaking. And I think another thing that's yeah. really really important to remember because I didn't get it until I lived in a southern state Mm -hmm. but we can't evacuate with every single hurricane like again being in the north where we don't really have anything like like this in my life you don't really understand because again i feel like it was like oh my gosh like people should have left like you don't understand like i i don't know i kind of feel like sometimes the news likes to be like this hurricane's gonna be so bad and like we'll be getting a hurricane here in florida and people will literally call me nonstop for days like are you okay are you leaving and i'm like no i'm not like this last one that it was like that like everyone was freaking out we had no flooding in my area we didn't even lose power. Yeah. Like, and, and that's lucky, but you have to understand, like, people can't uproot their lives every, every single, single time hurricane. there's a hurricane right. coming. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it really is, like, so much scarier than I ever thought because it's, like, you really don't know when nature's just going to be, like... Well, I mean, for this most recent one that affected Louisiana, Ida, well, this part of Louisiana, Ida, a few years ago in 2021, um, yeah. we... It was, again, Nick and I were sick, and we were like, okay, we're just going to ride it out. We're just going to ride it out. And then it's we found out it's definitely going to hit where we were. So we were on the road. They didn't do contraflow for that one, so it took longer. But we just drove straight to Houston. It was like a nine-hour drive when it should normally be like a five-hour five drive. I remember that. That was um, crazy. And 
it's a good thing we did because my neighborhood was underwater for days. Um, our house ended up not getting any water in it, but the other side of my street, I mean, we came back and they had their carpet ripped out. You know, like you never know what's going to happen with, Mm-mm. with you know, natural disasters. The best thing you can do is just kind of keep an eye on it and make a constructive decision. But that that's, like right. I said, that's one of four times in 30 years that I've evacuated. And I've evacuated times where... Nothing happened. It ended up going somewhere else. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's and that's the thing. Gamble. Like here in here in Florida, like we will bunker down. We will get everything ready. We'll be like, okay, we feel safe to stay here and like have all this stuff. And then again, like it'll be really bad storming. But it's literally like it storms bad here basically every afternoon in the summer. Like mm-hmm. it's the same. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you never really know when it's gonna really. I think especially like a lot of times, a lot of like news really like amps oh they it up. always amp it so, up. Right. This um, is a big one, you know. Pay mm-hmm, attention, hurricane mm-hmm, watch, tropical mm-hmm. storm watch. Yeah, oh yeah. I get it. So it's really scary, but that's um you know just to kind of give some background because I think a lot of people who are from other states don't understand like well why wouldn't you just leave at the first sound of like a hurricane and it's like no you can't. And I think it's really important to understand for this that, like, so many people really didn't know that their life was, like, about to change. Well, and, right. you know, there are shelf- there are shelters and stuff in place as well. And there were shelters in place for this hurricane. The Superdome was a big shelter they ended up doing. They had hospitals, um, things like that. But the thing is, these areas were not expecting to be housing people for this long with no power. No, You know, we... A lot of the times with hurricanes, it's, you know, it happens, there's damage, we're without power for a little while, and then we rebuild. But, like, the aftermath of Katrina, the levees breaking and causing the additional flooding Well, can you talk about that later? for a little bit? Because I think people don't understand, like, there are so many things just just made this so gut-wrenching. And wrong, I feel like for yeah. us, like, we, like... Kate really lived through it. Adam and I obviously were of an age to like remember what happened, but for people who don't. So essentially the hurricane came and went, um, you know, it was obviously a category five was a, it was a bad hurricane, but the levee system that was in place, um, collapsed. So all this additional water at that point, once it the it collapsed, it had to go somewhere. So it it was it ended up pouring out into you know the city. Chalmette was hit really hard. Um, Slidell, where I'm from, on the lake side. I mean, even five minutes from my house, people flooded, and I'm not close to the lake at all. So like no. in Slidell, so um, you know the water just poured out and just kind of filtered into wherever it found and then it sat until the levels would go down and so unfortunately for six six flags it's in a swamp um new orleans east is already like a flood zone area and unfortunately even though they had taken the measures they did they Their couldn't account said, for we cannot, well and they couldn't we account not built for, for this baby you know eight feet of additional mm-hmm. water from a levee that should have held you know or would have held normally you know so mm-hmm. this park um sat under eight feet of brackish water for a month and for those who don't know brackish water is a mix of like fresh water and salt water so it's especially bad for like metal and all that kind of stuff so for a month straight eight feet of water is you know this park is underwater and 
in the film, you can see, you know, they go in some of the buildings and you can see the the water lines mm-hmm. continuing to recede. But the darker lines are where the water still sat for a period of time. Yeah, and they, they show that, and again, so heartbreaking in yeah. a lot of the homes where, mm-hmm. like, again, you could see okay, this is where the water came and then this is where the water came yes. next. And because like it took a long time for mm-hmm. it to go away. Um, and, you know, there's, I remember we went to over to Eden Isles in Slidell. That's um, right on the lakefront. Again, you'd go right across the twin span. You'd be at Six Flags in 20 minutes or so. And I remember the damage, you know, not only of like the flooding, but like, people's had their boats parked out you know their mm-hmm. boats parked outside and those boats ended up moving from the water you know oh yeah boats that's yeah houses, that's another thing like kate just said slabs, it's not just water like, it's also that water is picking stuff up yeah, and cars. dropping it in new places yeah. Yes. yeah so it's um so it was it was a lot and you know they talk about this in the film too it sounds like six flags was already in some financial trouble so oh, yeah. Oh they yeah, we're gonna get took, into that because they that took was... this chance as an out. You know, one. I mean, because the sh- I remember the the shots of Six Flags Underwater. It was on the news. It was every. You know, like it was another one of those shots that would really catch people's eye. The theme park underwater. Yeah. And know? I think it's also the reason it was so crazy is because people are so used to seeing homes underwater, and yeah. of course that looks nuts. But when you see how tall the water was next to a roller coaster, yeah, you're and like, you can only see the tops of buildings. You know? Yeah, like holy shit, that's yeah, a lot of water. It's a lot um, of water. And as Kate said, there's like so much that we're going to talk about. But yes, so I'm trying to find because I have like all different notes about mm-hmm. other things that had happened at this time. So in 2004, remember all this that we're talking about, the Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005. Yes. The company was not doing well in 2004. They were selling a lot of, of their assets to pay off their debts. They had lost $400 million in 2004. Wow. Um, Jeez. So... $400 million was their loss. They were, like, not making money as a company in 2004. No. Now, in 2004, Six Flags yeah. New Orleans actually was doing really well. It was a more profitable park for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably looked great in their portfolio. Like, they were probably like, hey, great, this is a park we Yeah, I mean, they were doing the water park. Until what happened. Yeah. Like, until Katrina happened, and then they were like, Because it was going to have to be rebuilt. This. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Six Flags had a long battle with their insurance company over the payout for the park. But also, again, before we get too much into that, in 2005, World, which was another Six Flags location in Texas, mm-hmm. that closed on October 30th, 2005. Um, and so, and then a couple, we'll talk as we go through the timeline, but a couple of other ones would close as well. And so... Yeah, this was their perfect time to be like, we're going to take what we can get out of here. We're yeah. going to take the insurance money and we're going to get the hell out. And they sure did. Um, I remember specifically the one thing that they pulled out so quick was Batman the ride because the entire yep. ride was operated on the second floor. And you can see in those shots, 
the operating tower area is on the second floor. So it seems like it was almost unscathed. Um, but yeah, they, they up and relocated that baby and moved it to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas in 2008. Um, and it was renamed the Goliath. So um, I don't know if it's still there today. But basically, like, Six Flags went through. They grabbed as much as they could. I heard they grabbed, like, security cameras. They were grabbing, like, as much as they could. And then, Anything. Yeah, and then once they, Anything. like, officially said like we're done so we're we're like leaving the park to y'all like it's we're you know we're done with the park then at that point they weren't allowed to go back and grab anything and that's why some of the other six flags rides are still there now because they couldn't even go back in and grab them and maybe try to figure them out at that point and I because think that's once another they thing cut that was their really ties heartbreaking for people was that like this whole community had just been ravaged this mm-hmm. was such a like place exactly. of happiness that was used on the news a lot as like look at how horrible things are um and now they're coming in before they've told anyone anything people who work there people who have jobs they haven't said anything yet but they're, they're coming in and things, taking stuff out which is so a like bad the writing sign. is on the wall and what broke yeah. my heart is there was a guy in the in the movie i think he was like a marketing person mm-hmm. and he worked at six flags new orleans yeah um, and he said that guy. they went to a conference in mm-hmm. april um 2006 i believe he said yeah, they went to a conference and he met, was it like the CEO or something? Yeah, And he was like, up. we're hoping, he was like, we're from the park in New Orleans. Like, we're really hoping to have a park, you know, to come back to. And he said in that moment, he knew like, the way the it guy was looked not at him. ever going to reopen. Yeah, the way that the guy kind he of looked like, at him. Oh, he wasn't like, oh yeah, was like, for sure. He just looked at him like, okay, you know. Yeah. Also, at the same time, Six Flags had had a lot of leadership changes. Um, There was a hostile takeover in Mm -hmm. December of 2005. And a lot of the parks in the company, not only were things being sold off or places being uh, sold, um, but they were just not being kept up as well as they should have been. They didn't look good. Um, A lot of them were very, very dirty. Um, And I also want to point out, like, again, I think a huge sign of that is in 2007, just two years later, the large Kentucky kingdom incident happened do y'all know about the kentucky kingdom incident um i know they mentioned kentucky kingdom in the film but like i don't know anything else about that so kentucky kingdom there was an incident in 2007 where a girl was on a free fall ride and a wire came and clean chopped her feet off oh my god they were able to put one back on and the other one they were not but literally it was like a 15 year old girl clean chopped him off and it was horrible horrific like thankfully she lived they were (sighs) you know like it was the happiest ending that could have come out of that story um but you know things for six flags in general like the way they're handling their business the way they're handling like everything is just not good at this time like it is just not going well and so that really goes to show that even though six flags new orleans had been great it was just they were not going to be able to bring this back well and like you said they had so much financial stuff against them that they like the strategic move would be to bow out and take what you can get versus the rebuild would have been you know would it have been great for the city would we have all loved it would it have made them look like heroes yes but it sounds like monetarily it would not have been i don't possible. think i don't think they could have done it if they wanted I don't th- to yeah because I don't they were so literally either. going through other parks and selling literally. stuff i honestly think if there was any park that they would have like this was a profitable park in the yeah. year of a 400 million dollar loss they were 
still planning to add a water park but to this park that eight year. Eight feet of brackish water. I mean, they yeah, w- they had no way of even knowing if any of the steel structures were going to hold mm-hmm. up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it would have. Right. Also, I will say the reason that the documentary we keep referring to is called "Closed for Storm" is because the park that was on the big like marquee signage. You know how they would put like different words up, like stop at six flags or whatever it said closed for storm and yeah. that sat there does it still say closed for storm kate um i haven't been over there in a long time because there's a lot of security over there but yes it's, essentially it still says that um it's always been missing one of the o's i believe the mm-hmm. o enclosed is missing but the thing that people don't realize is that there was a second six flag sign that was on the interstate and it was tall like it was like 10 foot sign mm-hmm. on the inner probably taller it was a really tall sign and it had like a marquee on it like a digital marquee on it and it had the six flag sign and then on that one not on the digital part but on the again on the same part it had said closed for storm there as well so for a long time after katrina when we could finally go across the twin span again because the twin span was also damaged in katrina it yeah. had to be rebuilt I'm it had sure. to be it had to be fixed and then eventually got rebuilt um a little better but anyway i remember still going across the twin span and driving towards new orleans or metairie you'd pass you pass six flags if you're coming from slidell and i remember that sign still being there for a little while um still said closed for storm and i was like this is eerie they got rid of that one obviously because it was right on the road um but the one close to the park like where you actually go in is still not where you actually go in but where you go in to maybe like pay for parking to go into Mm -hmm, the parking mm -hmm. lot that one the shorter one is is still there that's the one that's like the sign of you know that people are talking about but yeah closed for storm i think I think the title of this documentary couldn't have been better because for people of New Orleans, when you think of Six Flags, you think Closed for Storm. You think of that sign because Mm -hmm. it is, like they say in the film, it is just frozen in time. The only way it would be more frozen in time is if the sign was not completely faded. You know what I mean? Like I know one side in the shot they showed it was like, I think it was even blown out. Um... But it's like, yeah, you went right back in time. And they even went in the documentary, they went back into one of the office buildings and they looked at the calendars yeah. and this all that. Is so, it is so eerie that like everything, like I, I think the thing that made me like, is that like they had on the wall, like live in 05, like, yeah. you know, like just like stuff that Normal you would see stuff. in the yeah. background of a theme park. And I feel like because I worked at Disney, like I'm like, oh my God, like those look like the cast member billboards we have there. Like just like things like that, like getting you excited, telling you what you're selling, telling you about events. And that like always, there was like, a, there was calendars that were still yeah. August of 2005. August, yeah. um, they had it in the costuming closet. Like, it was crazy to see shirts, like, still in their bags, ready yeah. to, like, be given to new team members. Um, schedules were listed out for the upcoming Halloween event that was supposed mm-hmm. to happen that year that Probably never happened. Probably getting ready happened. to start, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, supposed, it was set to start in, in at the end of August. Yeah. So, well, like, crazy. That part of the documentary hit me differently because Nick, the company he worked for, um, he worked for a medical waste company and a few years ago they were hired to clean out Charity Hospital, which was a hospital that was left abandoned after Katrina. So he went in there and he was cleaning out, you know, 
desks and like people's offices and he talked about the same thing and again this was years before this documentary came out and he was like the calendars are still on the wall like the posters on the wall were like old phones like before flip phones exist like it was very Mm -hmm. old phones um you know and all the stuff was just left abandoned um it makes me think almost like imagine when you went back to your office from COVID for the first time in six months. Probably. Imagine yeah. that, but like years later like and the whole decades. office got filled yeah. with water and like like so much worse. And I just, yeah. that's the only thing I could compare it to is going back to my office after six months and being like, oh my God, like all of my stuff that I left on my desk thinking we were going to be gone. Like, all right guys, see you in a week. Like I feel like it was so that same mentality of yeah. like thinking like, oh, we'll be back in a week. Like, bye everybody. Literally. And it was like, no, that's not what happened. Again, except to a much like crazier extent because yes. it filled with water and was destroyed and mm-hmm. so, so crazy. Yeah, it really is. Um, But one thing I do have to say, I'm sure we're going to talk about the film a little bit more, but one thing I do have to say is I have so much respect for Jake and his team that not only that they wanted to take this project on, I believe Jake is from Canada. Like, he has no ties to New Orleans at all. Like, he had no particular reason to want to do this other than the fact that his YouTube channel and his his films he makes are all about, like, abandoned and defunct things. But he, like, fully funded this documentary himself he fully funded it himself um it was actually planned to show at like a small film festival in 2020 um but the film festival got canceled due to covid so um he ended up i guess releasing it on apple that was how i bought it i bought it when it came out in november um i'm glad to know that it's now on amazon prime and discovery plus so people can watch it it's also on tubi i watched it on tubi yesterday for free um because I was and you know what the thing is it is so well done like it's an hour and 18 minutes long Kate and I had already watched it together Mm -hmm. I watched yesterday with like bated breath and I could watch it again oh yeah they had made it two hours long I would have watched for two hours well I would have watched them go through that property for like two hours especially they went through with like a super fan and it was it was sad mm -hmm. to hear her talk about like all the memories that she had with her family um well it just was like so I think a few of the things though that really made this stand out from just like the normal YouTube video you'd see of somebody talking about Six Flags New Orleans or even like the urban explorer that broke into Six Flags because there's a lot that have tried but what I love is that you know he got with the city of New New Orleans rented it out for like several days so he could go and film at night he could go and film during the day he could truly cover the entire park Um, Mm -hmm. but also the guy who did the music, the music, the the guy, the great, I, I thought the music was so great because it very much put me in like a Disney mindset of like the, the, the style of the music. It mm-hmm. really was, mm-hmm. I think that was a big part of it as well. Like I, I was like you, I watched it again today and I could watch it again because I just feel like the the content was there the they had the shots he put in the research of getting like old footage you know of Six Flags and Jazzland and all this anyway it's a phenomenal documentary 
It really he interviewed is. Really lots of different the people, people in the community who yeah. were super, super passionate about this location. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy because even now from the outside, like it looks abandoned, but this is, you know, 18 years on, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they said when everything first happened, and this was the person who, the, you know, the staff member who's mm-hmm. in um, Clothes for Storm who was like in marketing, he said when they first went back in after everything, he was like, it didn't really look that bad outside no. because yeah. it was already an outside park. It was a lot of like metal and stuff but he was like when you went inside he was like that's when the damage was like unimaginable yeah Um, when you went into like ride buildings or you know whatever it might be that it was like really 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 bad yeah Um, one thing that stood out for me was when he went into the simulator room that was the spongebob ride because that ride originally before it was um before it became Six Flags, it was called, like, Lafitte's Pirate Ship or something, and it was, like, pirate-themed, and then once it became Spongebob, it was obviously Spongebob-themed, but it was really cool because you're on this, you know, simulator boat ride. Anyway, it was really crazy to see, like, the boat is still there. The seats are still there, you know, right. almost two decades later, um, you know, untouched. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's crazy, I think, because Spongebob doesn't feel like something that long ago. Like, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but it's something that, like, everybody knows Spongebob, so uh-huh. it's, like, crazy, like, I don't know, that kind of, like, blew my mind. The yeah. person in the documentary did say that they kept everyone on payroll until April of the following year, so yeah. I feel like for a failing company, that was, like, at least the, I guess, they did something. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, I mean, some, the thing about Katrina that I, again, I think a lot of people don't realize is a lot of people ended up having to relocate to Houston or somewhere mm-hmm. else. That's another reason why, you know, um, you you may hear a lot about, like, Houston has, like, seafood and, like, Louisiana stuff. A lot of people were uprooted to Houston mm-hmm. after this because, they didn't have a job to come back home, whatever, like that, that made the most sense. Um, nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, so having that pay every two weeks for not a year, but you know, eight or nine months was crucial for them to have that time to find a new house, find it, you know, especially if mm-hmm. they had to leave the state and start somewhere new. I mean, Paris, the only reason Paris and I met is because she was, you know, she was relocated after Katrina. She ended up moving, you know, into a trailer near where, like a FEMA trailer near where I go to school. And she ended up going to school with me from seventh grade on to we graduated high school together. So she went yeah. from, she went, she lost her, you know, she lost her home. She lost her school. She lost all her, I mean, and this, this was the norm for so many and so many parts of, of Southern Louisiana, you know, it's, it is, yeah. it's a shame. So, so, so gut-wrenching. Um, and again, it was in 2009, the city finally ended the 75 year contract with the brand. And so that's when the park was like officially closed for good i mean i feel like obviously them taking the rides and it was it the writing was on the wall but now it was like the writing was really like it was it was official but what new orleans started to do after that is they started to hustle with that space and they started Mm -hmm. having people come in and film some productions 
Um, yeah. And that started as early as 2011. And even up until we have something coming out this year that was filmed in Six Flags New Orleans. And they also had people so, like submitting, they had, they, they set out, what is it called? Like an, I forget yeah. the acronym, but they basically had people like submitting proposals yeah. for what, and that's kind of where this documentary Close for Storm leaves us is that a proposal had just been um selected so we'll talk about that or they don't even get to the selection they just get so to like so they they actually i mean i did the research i know i was, who was gonna say oh, they they've had a they've had news i since. did the research i do know who was selected but yeah they do have yeah i was gonna say they do have news on it i didn't know because if you live in louisiana you know they have said oh a nickelodeon park's coming oh mm-hmm. drew Brees is gonna do this oh an amazon so like anytime they say they're doing something with that area i don't it's believe like them. no one even pays attention they right. even said a few years ago they were gonna demolish the park they were like oh yeah we're gonna spend 20 million or 10 million yeah, 20 and demolish million dollars it. to demolish it and we were crazy. like why just leave you know like for me i was like just leave it there like i don't know they're making so money off of it they have that security. is another thing to talk about so 2009 kentucky kingdom closes now if y'all remember i said at the beginning of this i went to kentucky kingdom so Mm -hmm. kentucky kingdom closed in 2009 it did reopen in 2014 they spent 43 million dollars um to get the park open again i -hmm. went very recently it was dead the food was good um Mm -hmm. but it was like dead i was like i don't know how they rebuilt this because it was so dead um but Six Flags also then in 2009 declared bankruptcy. So they officially end the lease with New Orleans. They closed down Kentucky Kingdom. And I'm sure there are some other parks that we don't even have on this list that they closed. Mm-hmm. And they declared bankruptcy. Um, so again, just so many cards stacked against it. Um, but I wanted to talk really quickly about the people who live right near this park. Because they do in the documentary go onto someone's like back porch. Mm-hmm. And it's like their back porch, some trees and then the parking lot for Six Flags. Yeah. And it, that right really broke my heart and is why it's so um, important that they do something with this land mm-hmm. because the people who live there, um, they were basically sold because obviously this had to be like approved. Like they were basically sold like it's going to be as if like Disneyland is right in your backyard, your property value is going to go up, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be so, so great. But people in the community have not seen that. Even after Katrina, they were saying that like a lot of different places in the New Orleans area, property value has gone up. It's 2023. It's been, you know, how many years since 2005? 18 years almost. Yeah. 18 years almost since 2005. Yeah. Um, but the people who live near here, near the park, their home is worth, worth less than it was in the early 2000s before this all began. So, um, yeah. It's just the abandoned the theme too. park. Yeah, but they were saying even in the area, like other yeah. homes, but like that people who live right there. Yeah. Um, and of course, there are a lot of other factors. And I love that they talked about the community a lot in the documentary. Um, but like, really, this has just been hard for the people who like, it's literally in their backyard. Yeah, well, especially because, you know, that lake in the middle of the park has been overtaken by various wildlife cottonmouth snakes alligators all that you know that stuff can roam if it wants to not that far mm-hmm. plus you've and got the looters bugs. you've got the you've got all kind there there are people going in and out of there constantly i mean you saw all of the graffiti on there everybody had tagged that place up 
and they keep tagging it up. So they have a lot of security over there. I'm glad that they do that, at least for those people that live that close to it. But yeah, I mean, something needs to be done. Unfortunately, it's just until now, until I guess March, they've mm-hmm. officially done a new, you know, accepted a proposal and they now have 18 to 24 months to like come that up with the master plan. That was where we ended is that they also were talking to a lot of different people who wanted different things to happen in this area people were submitting their proposals there was a woman named tanya pope who was really she wanted to build another park they had like designed what it would look like yeah she wanted to bring Mm -hmm. back jazzland she Mm -hmm. had designed what she wanted it to look like she talked to a lot of people in the area like she had said you know it would only cost i think she said like 43 million which was obviously way way cheaper than building a new park from scratch and then they said that was because the foundation that you know, they originally, Jazzland originally built was so great. Um, and I felt really, really bad for her because where the documentary ends is they basically had to pick the three, the the top proposals that they were going to then ask like further questions and explore more. And originally they were going to p- pick her as one of the top. Yeah, they were going to pick And four. then they were like, she was number four mm-hmm. and they were like oh well the one underneath her number five is only two points away yeah. so should we pick all five and then they were like no let's just pick the top three yeah. so this woman who like literally this project was like her life like they just like chopped her and that's kind of where the documentary ends and then um i think the yeah i think the direction it was trying to go is basically that like there was still this person that had made the effort to not only bring something there but bring like an amusement activity there and basically giving us the storyline of that she tried she ended up getting the no and you know that's where we're at you know what i'm saying and i thought that was good because me who again i just see news headlines of nickelodeon water park coming you know it was interesting to see like okay they actually are having meetings where they have people you know coming up with pitches and stuff like okay there's actually people out here that are looking to invest but it is a shame that she just missed it by and the the fact that they said like that they were gonna like that she was included and then they were like no the person who actually now we know the documentary came out in when was it uh, 2020 it's been three years almost yeah yeah. so um in october of 2021 a company called bayou phoenix bought the property from the city of new orleans and was selected to take over the redirection of the space as the master developer bayou phoenix is in the movie it's the gentleman i i can't remember his name but it's Mm -hmm. troy so he oh i have it literally written in front of my face i think they were talking about like he's so troy henry yeah Yes, so he was the one, his company, and they were the other one. They were kind of following Tanya and Troy, yeah. and he was the one who ended up like, he was third place. winning. Yeah, he but, was yeah, third he was, place. Yeah, he was yeah. third, um, and so they ended up winning. So basically where they left it was like they had ranked each of the proposals, and then they wanted to ask each of those proposals like, okay, how would this actually, you know, more questions. So he was ranked third. But, you know, he was the one who who won. So um, in October of 2021, they took over the property. They're now the owners of the property. Um, and then March 27th, which is not that long ago. So again, we really could not have picked a better time to do this episode yeah. because we have talked about it for so many seasons. But back in March, March 27th, um, they 
kind of showed more of their proposal, which is like entertainment, sports complex, indoor outdoor water park, hotels, movie studio, retail, dining, which is There's essentially what space. he talked about. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. essentially what he talked about in the episode. Yeah. So yeah, I think I feel big, like it's going to be like a Disney Springs. I think the big difference between the two between Troy and Tanya was that Tanya had a very concrete idea of like bring Jasmine Land back, but better. And then, like, she had talked about adding, like, a downtown Disney-type area of shopping. Troy, Mm -hmm. at the time of the documentary, he seemed more up in the air. Like, yeah, we could do a water park. We could do a sports complex. We could also do an Amazon shipment center. Like he was, He was like, like, I "I don't care. I just want the land and put something there. And I think that Mm. was the thing with, with Tanya. And I would say ultimately with Jake in doing the documentary and kind of laying it out that way is that the hope of everybody was that Jazzland would come back, you know, through the effort of, of Tanya. And unfortunately that ended up not being what happened, but yeah, the last I read, um, the article I found from March 9th of this year, they said that, um, they're, they currently have given them an 18 to 24 month timeline of producing a master plan and i'm assuming if they don't have like a concrete master plan within that time then we're back to where we were because that's kind of what happened every other time we've had people come in and say they're gonna do it then i guess they either do the math and realize it's not worth it or they because drew Brees, i mean he's a big name in new orleans uh he had talked about doing something out there not an amusement park i think it was like something with agri some kind of like agriculture seed thing but which would be amazing but i was gonna say like if anybody would want to invest in the city it would be him and they backed out so i'm interested to see what troy and you know bayou phoenix will end up doing for now it sounds like, like I, said, I think the fact that they came out with something a few months ago i'm like really really hopeful i do think that it would make sense like like again what he's describing is basically like a disney springs and i yeah. feel like that would be a great addition yeah. i feel like of course the park will be missed but i think that would be a really great addition to this community um yeah. well there's so. only so much that like, there's only so much coverage right now security-wise. I mean, there's holes in the fences yeah. all around the park. And it comes down to safety. It comes down to the fact that there's, like, alligators, snakes, wildlife that have taken over this park for the past almost two decades. And people just think, oh, I'm going to break into this. And it's, like, it's a serious situation. So I I am happy that for the past decade or so, they have been able to at least have different um movies and tv shows get to use the the park so that way they are getting a little bit of like revenue for the city that has been like having to take care of it and i'm y'all know i'm a weirdo and i love finding out that like a place i've been is in any kind of show or movie but i would say the craziest one from this production list that i found is um the the guy nf he did he did a music video in the park which i was shocked by that because i knew you know jurassic world was filmed in the parking lot donna the planet of the apes you know percy jackson sea of monsters like i knew about all of those but then when i was like wait a minute this guy flew to new orleans east and had people come in and did a whole music video in this abandoned theme park in 2019 like that's wild to me i don't know yeah so i'm thinking for the past like decade or so new orleans uh you know six flags new orleans must have just been on the market as like oh if you're looking for an abandoned theme park for something come film over here which is i think is kind of cool 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad something's going to happen for it. I'm so thrilled something is happening and I can't wait to continue to follow this. I hope we'll be able to attach an update to this episode at some point. But, I hope so. Um, I think this is one of my favorite episodes we have ever, ever done. And it's yep. so crazy to think that this theme park was only open for, for a blip like in time. And Kate years. was there. Kate was an annual pass holder. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me tell you all what, though. The last time I went, I was like, I can't do some of these rides again because the the rides it's not it's not Disney y'all okay the the rides I went on one of those towers that shot you up and shot you back down I did the one that, that tower, cut a girl's feet off and do Kentucky one again Kingdom. yeah I I won't I won't do it again I went on the one that um, shot you up fast didn't go down fast because mm-hmm. I had that fear I had a fear that something was gonna ha- what if it like you know something happened. yeah it is it's it's I feel like that's the thing about like a Disney is you're like. There are so many tragedies we hear about on rides, and it is something to be careful with. I feel like people don't think about that. Yeah, Even just, you know, the the types of rides. I mean, I love a roller coaster, but I also like a milder roller coaster. Like, they had a ride Zydeco Scream there, and it would shoot you up, and you'd flip around a bunch of times, and then you'd go back and do it backwards. And I was fine when I did it forwards, but when I did it backwards, if you were in the back row like I was, it messed my back up. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it ultimately was a great thing to have. Um, I'm glad I got to go. I still enjoy seeing the Megazeth when I drive to New Orleans from Slidell. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. I'm glad that they're trying to do something, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we're two years out from 20 years since Hurricane Katrina. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe poetically just in time for the 20th anniversary, they'll be able to have something Something reopen. I feel like that's enough time to, to have something in place of at least a plan. Way more than enough time. So, so yeah, good old. That's it. That is Six Flags, New Orleans slash Jazzland, And it was, it was quite the ride. Yeah. So if you guys want to watch the film that we're talking about, Close for Storm, um, you can rent it several places. But um, if you have a Prime Video subscription or a Discovery Plus subscription, I had a Prime Video one, so that's why, where I watched it today. Um, you can watch it there. And then she said Tubi was also for free. Yeah, so I don't. I I'm have a TCL TV. I don't know where Tubi is, but it was yeah. it was on the TV. And when I Googled it, it said that. It had yeah. it there and I put it on and I'm it glad. started and it was free so no, I was like okay. I'm glad it's yeah. available I would have paid because for it. the thing about Jake is his he started on YouTube so I was fully expecting him to do something like Defunctland did with the Fast Pass documentary and just put it on his YouTube but he funded this whole thing himself and it wasn't cheap so he said you know I want to sell it to somebody after a film festival but with COVID that obviously had setbacks so I'm glad now it's on it's Prime available. and people because I bought it but not everybody wants to buy that on it Apple. I'm surprised like Netflix didn't buy it or something because Me look too. at how good like the Action it's Park documentary good. did and the Action Park documentary excuse me was great but like this one is so different like it's yeah. just so good it's such a good story I like, guess it's not, I'm a, saying it's not a happy story but it's like a really interesting story a full I circle a story word, I, word. I'm glad that it's making its way maybe eventually it'll end up on Netflix or Hulu or one of those but I, I was ha- I went to the site today to to see if I could get any information and when I saw Amazon Prime Video or whatever I was happy about that because now we can tell our listeners you could most people have an Amazon Prime, you know, subscription. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. it's good to know you can, and there's no upcharge. I was, that was the thing I was worried about. I was like, oh, is this one of those things where you have to pay? No, it was like, it was included. So anyway, PSA. So that's it. That is this episode. It was a great episode of the Carousel Project podcast. We are so, so excited to, to have you all here and to have you all listening and hopefully you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Um, as always, we love chatting with you guys. We love to be able to talk to you. We really want to be able to add some voicemails um, into these episodes. So if you want to talk to us, you can now not only just write us on Instagram at Carousel Project Podcast, but you can also call us and you can leave us a voicemail at 407-457-4456. And if if you want to ask us a question or tell us a story and we'll be able to add it into the podcast and we can't wait to be able to do that. Thank y'all so much for listening. It means so much to us. And as usual, um, we have our Patreon. Um, we have our bonus episodes on there, the sneak peeks, um, the polls, all that fun stuff. Our patrons in our e-ticket already voted on one of the episode topics for this season. They already have the full list, just some of the perks of Patreon. So if you're interested in helping um, fund this little passion project, we'd love to offer even more for you guys in the future. Um, so feel free to check that out. If you have any ideas out. towards that, let us yeah. know. Yeah, what, what do you want from us? Yeah. yeah. Do you want Club 30T? Yeah. <laughs> we, we are asking Club once again. Tea. We are asking once again. <laughs> oh, my God. And, of course, share us with your friends and family. Check out all our great episodes. And you know what? Go to that Patreon. Subscribe. Get all the bonuses because there's some great stuff on there for you. And last but not least, um, Adam's favorite number is still five. So we're still collecting five-star He's reviews. He's always told me that. For his whole, um, his whole life. I don't know what Paul's talking about. He keeps saying 19. <laughs> There's no 19 stars. So five stars, please. Um, we are available. You can leave reviews on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And let me just tell you, we love reading the comment that gets left with the Apple Podcast um, yep. review. They don't offer that on, uh, on Spotify yet. I'm hoping that changes. But for now, we love hearing what you guys think about the podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to leave one yet, if you want to just take a minute or two and do that, we would appreciate it more than you know. We would love it. And also subscribe to us on Spotify. We can see the numbers of followers and subscribers. So um, let's keep that growing. Yeah. We love you guys. Thank you so much for making this possible. And we we can't wait for, for the rest of the season. Thank you so much for listening to these stories and episodes that mean the world to us. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Take care. I thought you were different. And it's time for fun. Right now, save up to $15 on tickets to Six Flags New Orleans with coupons from participating Wendy's restaurants. Six Flags New Orleans. It's playtime.